Well, as I said, turning your Bibles to John 21, we're continuing the sayings of Peter. Where what we decided to do was take selected events from Peter's life and some of the things that he said, and then we look in the context and try to come together with all that. What we've seen, we've seen Peter's ministry. We've seen his failure. We've seen his restoration. I mean, that's what's really happened. And we're at the very end of some of the things. And, of course, his life goes on a long time after this part that we're talking about. But we've seen how that he was with Jesus for three and a half years, basically three, three and a half years, and then denied him. And then, uh, basically, God comes back. And we're, we're looking at the idea of restoration and service. One of the greatest truths is this. Every one of us in this room fail God. Every one of us in this room sin. We've come short of the glory of God. We don't do what God has for us to do. The things we don't want to do, we do, and the things we don't, we don't, you know, don't want to do, we, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And so, one of the great truths: it's never too late to serve God. It's never too late to serve Him. It's never too late to be used by Him. And so, as we look at this, we're thinking of restoration and service. Peter getting back into fellowship with God, and we've already seen that. We're going to just touch on it real briefly. But service is that Peter will be used by God. Now, let me just do this. If you were, uh, from a human standpoint, if you said, do you think you would take the guy that in the heat of the battle denied you three times, take him and use him for the most important message in the history of the church? You'd say, well, no, I would never do that. But that's what exactly what God does. So by faith in Christ, we're called saints. We're called children of God. We're set apart by God. What is our goal? Our goal as a child of God is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, in our lives. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, how can we do this? It's to live for him. And we can say, well, but I, I mess up. Yeah, we all do. Everybody messes up, but that doesn't mean God won't use you. And I always say to this, as long as you're alive, as long as God has you on this earth, and you say to God, just take me and use me, he will use you for his glory. That, that's the great thing. As a saved person, we get to serve our master and our savior. There is a key to all of this. And you don't, I don't always think about it, but the key is love. Love, love for God, love for others, his love for us. Love is the foundation and the key for service. If you remember, what did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments, and I want you to abide in my love, and I want you to do all this. And so it relates to both God and others, and that is the key is love. Jesus said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and your neighbor is yourself. He said, you'll love others as I have loved you. The key, really, is loving God and loving others. And when you love God and love others, you know what you'll want to do? You'll want to serve him. You'll want to. And, and think about in John 15, this is, we just saw John 15 a little bit with their upper room, but Jesus said, as my father loved me, I love you. So abide in my love, which means stay close to me, stay close in my love, live, uh, be in fellowship with me and my love, and that the basis of our life is love. That's what it boils down to. How do we serve other people? Galatians 5.13 by love, serve one another. He says, you've been called to freedom, brethren. Don't turn your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. The basis for service is love. That's what it boils down to. And, uh, you know, it, 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 Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? What's the answer? Yeah, what does he tell Peter to do? Feed my sheep. Serve me. What does he ask you? What if he said to me and you, do you... Do, you, do we love him? What would you say? Sometimes, yeah, we try and, yeah, we'd say yes. You know what he tells you? 
Then serve me. Then take care of my sheep. Then be a faithful believer. That's what he actually tells us to do. Love and service go together. If you love Jesus Christ, you'll serve him. That's, that's what he's basically saying. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The idea of keeping commandments is obeying him and doing what he, got, what he wants us to do. This morning, a brief review. Peter has, has failed. He denied Jesus Christ three times. There was a broken fellowship. The failure is not the end. And over these last couple of weeks, we looked at the whole idea of restoration and service. And we saw restoration last time. If you're in John 21 is where we start. You remember that it says in verse 21 after the, uh, excuse me, at John 21 verse 1. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, that's the Sea of Galilee. And he manifested himself this way. So Jesus told them, go to Galilee and I'll meet with you. So they go to Galilee. It says, Simon Peter and Thomas and called Didymus and Nathaniel, Didymus means twin, by the way, and Thomas and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee and the two sons of Zebedee and two others. We mentioned it last week. If you're the two others, you might say, why didn't, why didn't he just say my names? Okay, but anyway, Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And they all said, we'll come with you. And, you know, we said that Peter decided, I'm going to go fishing. And it has nothing to do, Peter is in fellowship with God. Peter loves uh, he, he's already, Jesus has met with him individually already. We found that out on the road when the guys came back on the road to Emmaus and they came up and before they could say anything, they told the guys on the road to Emmaus, Jesus has appeared and he's appeared to Peter. And then the guys on the road to Emmaus said, yeah, we saw him too. And he, you know, he told us everything. And so Peter is in fellowship with God. And I think when Peter says, let's go fishing, I think he's saying, I just don't want to sit on this. I just don't want to sit around for a little bit. Let's wait till he shows up. So let's go fishing. And they fished all night and didn't catch anything. And we said that uh, Jesus appears, and they don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus asked the question. He says, "Children, you don't have any fish, do you?" That's verse five. And the way it's written in the Greek, he's expecting a no answer. He knows they don't have any fish. They fished all night, and they didn't catch anything. They went, no, we don't have anything. And he said, well, put it on the side, right side of the boat. And they bed, and there was so many, they couldn't know what to do with it. So what is Peter's response? He jumps in to swim, shore because, swim to shore because uh, John said to him, I think that's Jesus. So Simon Peter heard this, put on his outer garment, jumped in the water, and swam. Is about 100 yards from the shore. The other disciples were coming in a little boat. And they were not far from land, about 100 yards away, and they were dragging the fish. So he's not waiting. He knows that boat's going to take a while to come in. It's a small boat, and they got so many fish. That, I mean, the net is completely full, and so it's going to take them a while, but Peter's not waiting. Peter's not waiting. When, when you have a quiet time, think about this. What you're saying is, I'd like to get with Jesus. Are you excited? Is it, I wake up, and I go, well, I guess I ought to have one. Because, I mean, I'm told I'm supposed to have a time in which I read the Bible, maybe study, pray, you know, or are we saying, I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait. There are some days that I wake, I, I wake up real early, as y'all know, and then I usually get here, and that's when I have my quiet time. And there are some days that it's a little bit of struggle to get started. But most days, I'll just be honest, most days I go, oh boy, oh boy. I, you know, because I, I have certain things that I read and certain things, I mean, I like it. I love it. So anyway, what's Peter doing? He said, I got to get there as quickly as I can. We should be saying, Lord, I want to get as quickly as I can. He's in a hurry. 
He's in a hurry. He jumps in. I don't know if I got Yeah, Peter's in a hurry to get to Jesus. It does not appear that he's out of fellowship. I have people say, oh, he's out of fellowship and, and all that. I don't think so. He gets there and he meets with them. And we, we see that he asked Peter, if you go down to verse 15, so they had finished, it says they had finished breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. Now, you can't tell from this right here, but they're most likely walking. They're most likely walking. And as always, the youngest one, John, is following behind. They're walking up there. He's not trying to listen but I think he's just walking because he always wants to be where Jesus is. And so as Peter and Jesus are walking, they start talking. And so here's the question that we always see. This is going to be service. How many times did Peter deny Jesus Christ? How many times? Three times. How many times does Jesus question Peter concerning his love and service? Three times. And I think it's just to remind Peter, listen, whatever you did, don't. it's, it's over. You, you did that? You love me, serve me. You did that, you love me, serve me. You did that, love me, serve me. How many times have we failed? Over and over again. Well, especially you, a lot. I mean, there's no telling, but, but the truth is, think about it. For every one of us in this room, we could say over and over. And what does he say to us? You did it, I love you, serve me. That's what it's really all about. So there's three public denials, there's three public restorations. And so as we look at this, it's pretty wild. Look at verse 15 again. So when they had finished eating breakfast, or breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you... You notice he, he doesn't call him Peter there. What's, what's Peter mean? The rock. He doesn't call him the rock. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, the question is, what is more than these? These what? Some people would say, well, they just got through eating fish, and they've just been fishing, and, and so he's saying, do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than what you used to do? Or some say, do you love me more than the rest of the guys that, are, that we just ate with? Or do you love me just more than, than life, than these, these things, that what life is all about? We don't really know what Jesus asked him. He just says, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my lambs. Now, there are, uh, so we ask him, there are two words here. When Jesus said, do you love me? He used the Greek word agape, which uh, is probably the most important word in the New Testament as far as the aspect of love. It goes back to the Old Testament word. You've heard me say the, uh, the word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, which is often translated loving kindness. It means a loyal love that never ends and never changes. The word agape is love that never ends and never changes. And so Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than this? That's an unconditional love. And Peter, this, what's a little strange, Peter answered back and says, I love you. And he uses a different Greek word. It's phileo. And it's idea of a give and take type love. And, it, you know, people sometimes want to make a huge difference between all these words, and they all mean love, but there is a little distinction between agape and phileo. And so Jesus said, do you agape love me? And Peter went, I phileo love you. And so some people say, why would he say that? Why wouldn't he use the same word? Well, some people say that he still realizes and says, I... Uh, I don't deserve to be able to say to you, I love you with that unconditional love because I blew it. You know, that may be, that may be what he said. We just don't know. 
But watch what Jesus does. Jesus says, tend my what? My lambs. Take care of my sheep. He says, you know I love you. And he says, well, take care of my lambs. And, and that's, that's shepherd the sheep. The shepherd the sheep. Technically, there are certain people that gifts a pastor teacher like me. I get to do that. That's, that's shepherd teacher. The word for pastor there is poimain, which is the word for shepherd. So when, it, when you hear, when you see over in Ephesians, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastor teachers. It's really shepherd teachers. That's a particular spiritual gift. I think I have that. I get to do it. And, and, but all of us are to shepherd one another and to take care of one another and take care of the sheep and to be there for each other. And then when something goes wrong, we're all there. And when something goes right, we're all there. And that's what we're supposed to do. And he says to Peter, who is the man that just said, I don't know you, I don't know you, I don't know you. He says, do you love me? I, I do. Take care of my sheep. Tend my lambs. How do you take care of sheep? Well, you feed them. You lead them. And you protect them. In our church, we have people in places of leadership who are called elders, shepherds, so to speak. And the goal is to, to teach the Word of God. That's how you feed people. You lead them by guiding them by the Scripture. And then you protect them from within and without. There are two ways. By the way, let me just throw this out just because of time. When you look in the Bible, in Acts chapter 20, Paul calls the elders of the church of Ephesus and says, here's the warning. There are two places you have to be watching in your church. One is from within, one is from without. He says, from without there are false teachers who come into the church and teach things that are contrary to the Bible. You have to be watching for that. I think we're very, very fortunate that uh, we train our people, and if you're going to get to teach, you have to have 412-22 and all those other things, and you get trained, and you pretty much agree with everything so that you can match and that way, there's not false teaching. So we're protected, I think, that way. The second way is from within, and that's divisive people. And that can happen at any time. That can be somebody who just decides they're going to start uh, being negative about certain things, and they tell other people, and before you know it, you've got to... And he warns, and he says, watch out for false teachers coming in and divisive people who will try to divide the body. It's, ha it's happened in every church I've ever been in. There have been divisive people in every church I've ever been in. When I was at Emmanuel, before I ever went to seminary, there were some divisive people that we had to be dealt with. When I went to seminary and I was with Faith Covenant Church, there were some divisive people when I went there. At the other church I was here for 27 years, there were some divisive people here. And at this church, in the early days, there were some divisive people. Most of you don't know about it, but there was some people that caused some issues that we had, we had to deal with. Happens in every church because there are people who say, I want to do things differently than everybody else or I think I know better than anybody else or I just want to cause problems. And, and so that's the warning. And so for us, as we shepherd the sheep, all of us, feed them with the word, lead them by the word, and protect us. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, look what happens. There's a second thing, verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you what? Love me. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, well, shepherd my sheep. It's the same thing. He says to him a second time, do you agape love me? Jesus used the same word, agape. What did he say? I love you, but he used the same word that he used the other go, phileo. So Jesus is saying, do you agape love me? And he's going, I phileo love you. And once again, why wouldn't he use the same word? It could be that he says, Lord, I, I could never say I love you like you love me. That may be what he's saying. Wow. So what does he say do? Shepherd my sheep. Feed, lead, protect, take care of them. 
Uh, boy, powerful. Second public declaration. Now, here's the third one. Now, look at this one. And he said to him a third time, Simon, notice he never calls him Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? This is the third time. But you, you should have expected three. Based on three denials, should have expected three. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. But there's something different about this one. When Jesus said, do you love me? He used a different word. He used phileo. He used the same word Peter used. He didn't use agape. First time he said, do you agape love me? I phileo love you. Do you agape love me? I phileo love you. The third time, do you phileo love me? And Peter said, I, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Phileo love you. And so what does he say? Tend my sheep. Tend my sheep. Three public failures, three public declarations, restoration, and commissions. Aren't you glad that no matter how many times you fail, he would use you? Because let me tell you, did every one of us in this room, let's say last week, did we fail in some way or the other? We did. We all, anybody not seeing last week? Yeah, if you don't raise your yeah, if you raise your hand, you're probably lying. So then you just sinned right now. So anyway, you're out. You're out anyway. Think about this. What if every time we messed up, or when we messed up, he said, "You know, I'm so sorry, but I'm not going to use you anymore." We'd all be we'd all be in the corner crying, saying, "I want to be used by God, so I'm not going to use you." But that's not what he says. He says, "You love me." Yes. You blew it, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Take care of my sheep. Take care. Do what I have for you to do. Tend my sheep. Feed. Lead. Protect. It's never too late. Uh, when we fall, we, what are we supposed to do when we sin? What are we, we've talked about this a lot of times. What do we do when we sin? The moment, the moment we recognize that we've done something wrong, and sometimes we don't recognize it. And that's why when, when we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because we may not remember everything that we do. And yet, the moment we sin, we can be restored. Think about it. We can be restored by our confession and get back into fellowship. And when we're back into fellowship, what do we want? What does he want? Realize that, God, that we want God to use us. Do, let me ask you a question. Do you wake up on a day, every day, and do you say, God, take my life and use my life for your glory today? Now, it's easy to just get up and go through life and never even think about it, never think about God, never think about serving God. I mean, it's probably normal for a lot of people. They just get up and they go through life. It's everything to say, just get me my coffee and I'll be all right. And then let me get to work and I'll do my job and then I'll get home. And when I get home, I, I want to, you know, watch this. And I want, and we go to bed and you've gone the whole day. And when have you talked about God? And when have you had your quiet time? And when have you said to God, take my life and use me for your glory? One of the things we should do is the, when you get up out of bed, you should say, Lord, thank you for another day. Would you take my life today? And use me for your glory. And if you could think, if there's a sin or anything you thought about, confess it right then and say, Lord, I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to abide with you. I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. I want to live my life for your glory. Realize God wants to use us. That's what he wants.
Failure is never the end. God will restore us and use us for his glory. As long as we're alive, you know, we look at the life of Saul. And Saul did not end well. But God still had him alive. Saul's one that put himself to death. But God said, you, you won't be here tomorrow. You won't be here tomorrow because you've done enough. It's time to come home. One of the questions we had, just somebody asked me just a while ago, uh, did we, I think Saul was saved. Of course, I, I think he was. The Bible says that he became a new person right after he became king. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and he became a new person. And I think Saul uh, moved away, and God removed him. And you look at Solomon. We've been seeing him. And Solomon started so well and ended so poorly, and yet God used him. All the way through, even in the midst, even after he turned away, God was using him, trying to use him, and he never really came back. David, what an example for all of us. He started good, messed up, finished well. What do we want to do? We know that we, we can start good. That's like running the 100-yard dash, but it's like a, like a three-mile run. And if you run the 100-yard dash, you're not going to make the three miles. And the Christian life is a... Is a moment by moment, step after step, day after day, run the race with endurance. And so we have to say, Lord, just take me and use me. Well, let me give you this. This is, this is some applications, and we'll go to Grow Group. We'll get there a little bit early today. Let's realize that failure does not have to be the end of our ministry. I mean, it's really powerful. Failure does not mean it's over. Let's just, when I say ministry, you may even say to yourself, I don't have a ministry. Yes, you do. You have two different ministries. Number one, you have the ministry of reconciliation. God says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we're placed in Christ and, and we're reconciled to God and he has given us a ministry of reconciliation, which means you get to tell people, you get to tell people how they can have eternal life and live with Jesus Christ forever. That's one of your ministries. Second aspect of ministry is to make disciples. Matthew 28. The third, and we all know that when we all talk about that. The third one is to take whatever gifts and talents that you have and use them in a particular way that God has for you. And there's no telling what that may be. And so what you say to God is, God, I want my life to count for you. I know that I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, so give me opportunities to tell people about Jesus. I know I'm supposed to make disciples, so let me lead people to Christ and train them and equip them. And I know you've given me spiritual gifts, so Lord, may I use whatever gifts, talents, and abilities you've given to me for your glory. Now, let me tell you, you always hear me say gifts, talents, and abilities. Spiritual gifts are unique. They're given by God. Talents and abilities are also given by God, but, but you're not finding those necessarily in Scripture, but there are people who can sing and they can build things and they can do all things. Those are talents and abilities. Spiritual gifts are a little bit different. So every one of you in this room that know Christ, you've got at least one spiritual gift besides the talents and abilities that God has given you. So say to him, Lord, take my life. It's never too late. Failure does not have to be the end. There's restoration. Deal with sin. First John 1 John 1.9, confess our sin. The second thing is just realize God will use us, use, use us for his glory. Think about waking up tomorrow and saying, take me this day, Lord, and use me for your glory. Now, you'll be surprised. If you haven't done it in a long time or ever done it, you're going to be surprised what will happen. He'll bring people into your life. Things will happen that you can't even imagine and you'll go, wow, that, that just happened. Yeah, it just happened, but it didn't just happen. 
God's working all things according to the counsel of his will. The second one, and this ties together, let's use the gifts, talents, and abilities to serve others. That's what we're here for. So what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your abilities? What is your ministry of reconciliation, making disciples, and using your gifts, talents, and abilities? All of those are for the glory of God. And I hope and pray that for all of us, myself included, that I would just say, Lord, use me for your glory. I want to go wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do. That's really scary, by the way. It's really scary. Because I pretty much like where I am. Right? But I'm saying to him, wherever you want me to go. And that doesn't mean he'll move you. He may say, well, just wake up and do something here. 